Previously on Pockets, Petey and Pockets came upon Cogtown, where they found all of the Cog people frozen. There they met Cogleen, a little Cogger who also happens to be the Cog key to the castle. She instructed them on how to unfreeze her townspeople and told Pockets that if they helped, she would get them an audience with the King of Yondra. With the help of Pockets' trinkets, Pockets and Petey unfroze the town, freed the Coggers, and set off before Tuga and his band of lizard gizzards could catch them. And now for Episode 3, Big Bad Bok Bok. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents The Adventures of Pockets. giant turtle shell glided along the forest floor behind the scurrying crabbies. Inside, Pockets was busy coloring a picture of their exciting visit to Cogtown. There were coggers running into the trees, and he was just putting the finishing touches on Tuga and his army of gizzards. At the bottom right of the page, he included a drawing of himself, Petey, and Cogleen riding off into the trees. Pockets glanced over at Petey, who was playing hide-and-seek with his egg. Found you again, Petey shouted, jumping out from behind the treasure. You're not very good at hiding. Strange creature, Pockets thought, smiling to himself and shaking his head. Just moments ago, he'd watched the platypus post hand-drawn signs on trees, each with a rough sketch of his platypus wife and their other eggs, with the words, Have you seen her? spelled S-E-E-N-E-R, at the top. Pockets admired his determination, but wasn't all too thrilled with the fact that Petey had broken at least one of his crayons in the process. He looked over at Cogleen, who was doing stretches and trying to loosen up her gears. The sight of a mechanical girl moving around still amazed him. He pictured what it would be like to see her jumping into the castle gate keyhole and unlocking it for them. He couldn't wait to meet the king and find out what exciting quest awaited them. He turned his attention back to his drawing and finished putting a mean face on Tuga. There, he whispered. He held up the picture and looked it over. Tuga took up most of the page. In real life, he might not have been as tall as the coghouse, but it sure felt that way. Pockets shuddered at the thought of the huge lizard standing just feet away from Pockets' hiding place in Cogtown. It was a close call. Too close. 
Pockets hoped they wouldn't run into him ever again. Pelican pirates is one thing, but a giant terrifying lizard with a lizard army is something else entirely. I told the crabbies to take a shortcut, said Coglean, taking a seat next to him. Her little metal body landed on the chair with a surprisingly heavy thud. What's that? Pockets pulled his gaze from the drawing. Oh, yeah, a shortcut would be good. The sooner we can get to the castle, the better. He pinned the drawing next to the others on the wall. Coglean looked at it sadly. It is my fault. What do you mean? Pockets said. I knew that Tuga was coming for me. I should have gotten everyone out while I could. Instead, I got too comfortable and forgot about the danger. The attack shouldn't have caught me off guard. But we saved them, Pockets reminded her. They're free. But now they're scattered and being hunted by gizzards. They aren't truly free until Tuga and his army are gone. Perhaps the king will help us with that, Pockets said, pointing to his call to quest pamphlet. I'm sure he'd be willing to lend us his army after I accomplish his noble quest. It's the least he could do. The king isn't known for being a generous man, Coglin said. But it is within his best interest to put an end to Tuga. We shall see. So this is what called you to the quest? She pointed to the little torn paper. It's as clear as day, Pocket said defensively. The king needs someone brave to set out on the greatest adventure Yondra has ever seen. Petey and I are up to the task. But it doesn't say what the reward will be or what you'll have to face, Coglean said, taking a closer look at the invitation. Pocket snatched it out of her hands. I'm sure we'll manage. The reward isn't important. Coglean glanced at the mound of treasure in the back of the shell. I can see that. I've never seen so much treasure, and there are parts of me that are made of pure gold. She looked suspiciously between Pockets and Petey. Are you two bandits? Bandits? Pockets sat up. We just saved your creaky neck, girl. How dare you call us bandits? I've always wanted to be in a band, Petey said dreamily. I'm a mean flute player. Calm down, hero boy, Coglean said. It was a reasonable question. It's not every day a strange boy in his, um... She paused and glanced at Petey with a quizzical look. Pet, come wandering into Yondra bathed in riches. We got it from the Pella Pirates, Pocket said proudly. We showed them, didn't we, Petey? Petey nodded fervently. Showed him good, we did. Coglean's eyes widened. Surely you didn't get this all from Big Mouth and his crew. Pocket shrugged. That's the one. He's a big talker, that bird. Why, I never... Coglean slumped back into a chair. A little boy besting the greatest thieves in Yondra. Maybe we have a chance to get the king on our side after all. She looked at them both for a long moment and then smiled. I'll see where we are. She hopped off her chair and headed to the front of the shell to talk to the crabbies. Pockets put the crayon back into his pocket, and as he did, he felt something. What's this? He pulled out a little piece of paper and unfolded it. There was a letter A written on it. Hmm, Pockets didn't remember putting that there. 
Curious, he started feeling through the rest of his pockets, digging deeper past the trinkets. Sure enough, there were more pieces of paper, all with letters on them. There was an O and a Y and even a couple of E's. That's odd, he thought. He didn't remember putting those there. It wasn't uncommon for him to put little notes to himself in his pockets or fold up little scraps of paper to use on his adventures. But for some reason, these little letters weren't ringing a bell. He must have left them there from an adventure he'd long forgotten. They folded the little pieces of paper and tucked them back into his pockets. They'd make good kindling if he ever needed to start a fire. Then, taking one last look at his wall of drawings, he went to the shell opening to see where they were. The air outside was cool and crisp. All around the shell, thick branches hung down from tall, yellow-leaved trees and touched the ground. The flash of so much brilliant yellow nearly took Pocket's breath away. It was beautiful. The Krabbies didn't seem to agree. It looked as though they were keeping their distance from the trees, being sure not to touch the drooping branches. What's up with them? Pockets asked. They're trying to stay clear of the fling trees, Coglin said, looking amused. Fling trees? What's a fling tree? Coglin's metal face turned up in a smile. This is a fling tree. She gave Pockets a push, and he tumbled out of the shell. Hey! He rolled across the ground and over a fling tree branch. As soon as it sensed him, the branch curled around his back and... Fling! The branch launched him through the air. Whoa! Pockets flailed through the air. His stomach did cartwheels as he came tumbling back towards the ground. Oh, no, 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 no! He closed his eyes and covered his face. Just before we could hit the ground, another fling tree branch caught him, pulled back, and... Oh, no, not again! No, no, please! Fling! He was thrown through the air. Coglin laughed and pointed at Pocket's helpless, flailing body. Oi, what's going on out here? Petey poked his head out, and as he did, knocked Coglin off the shell. Ugh! She rolled onto a branch, and fling! She, too, was thrown through the air by the trees. Petey tucked his egg away and clapped. Oh, oh, I want to try. My turn. Arms outstretched, the squat platypus dove off the shell and face-planted onto a dangling tree branch. Poof. Did it work? He mumbled face down. Fling! The branch snapped and launched him high in the air. <laughs> Petey laughed hysterically as he flew by Pockets and Coglin. Coglin laughed, Petey cheered, and Pockets yelled. This went on for several minutes, the three of them being tossed to and fro between fling trees. Finally, Pockets had had enough. He pulled his yo-yo from a pocket, looped it on his finger, and shouted down to the crabbies. Crabbies, catch! He whipped the yo-yo down to the big blue crabs, and one of them caught it in its claw. Pockets yanked the line and was pulled back down to the path. He landed hard and rolled to a stop. It took a few attempts, but once he'd gathered himself, Pockets used the yo-yo to lasso and yank Coglin and Petey back to safety as well. Once they were all safely back on the ground, they hopped back onto the shell and the crabbies continued on. Pockets sat down and glared at Coglin. Thanks a lot! You nearly got us killed! 
Oh, lighten up, Coglin told him. What's a trip through Yondra without a little bit of fun? Look, a souvenir, Petey shouted, waving something in his hand. Pockets tilted his head at the platypus, who was holding up a feather. Is that a chicken feather? It's huge. It is quite large, Petey said, twirling the arm-length feather in his webbed hand. I can make it into a pen and look real fancy. Ooh. <laughs> Hold on, do that again, Pockets told him. Petey twirled it again, and as he did, the peppered black and white feather disappeared with every rotation. Let me see that. He took it from Petey and turned it over. Sure enough, one side of the feather was completely invisible. With every turn, it seemed to vanish from his hand. Coglin stared at it nervously. We're almost there, she sighed. To the castle? Pockets asked. He didn't like the look on her face. No, to the bridge. I told you we were taking a shortcut, remember? The bridge is the shortcut. So why do you look so nervous? What, is there a giant chicken guarding the bridge or something? <laughs> he laughed at his own joke, but the laugh died off when he realized Coglin wasn't joining in with him. You're joking, he said seriously. They call him Big Bad Bok Bok, Coglin explained. He's the gatekeeper to the caves. The bridge is the only way across the gap. Tuga hates chickens. I'm hoping he won't come this way. The shortcut could buy us some valuable time. Did somebody say chicken? Petey jumped in. I hope so, because I'm starving. He pretended his big egg was his bulging belly, and he rubbed it like a hungry tummy. Coglin's gears raised her eyebrows. Trust me, no one is eating this chicken. He isn't the most pleasant person to deal with. But don't worry. I figured we'd just throw him some of your treasure, and he'll let us pass through without so much as a few clucks. Oh, so now you're spending our treasure, are you? Pockets folded his arms. Do you want to get to your king's quest quickly or not? Pockets rolled his eyes. <sighs> Fine, but next time get permission before spending our loot. Arrrr, Petey growled like a pirate. I will, Coglin said. Just promise me one thing. Pockets raised his eyebrow with interest. Just don't cluck like a chicken. I hear he hates that. Petey and Pockets looked at each other in surprise as the crabbies dragged the shell out of the fling trees and into a clearing. Instead of golden leaves, these trees had feathers covering their branches. There were red feathers, black feathers, orange and spotted brown feathers. They fluttered in the breeze like aspen leaves. Dangling from the branches were huge feathered egg-shaped nests. Most were nearly as big as the shell, but one was at least twice the size. The poor branch holding it looked as though it'd snap any minute. The area was eerily quiet. Pockets kept glancing between the round feathered nests, waiting for something to spring out. There was a long bridge platform that stretched between the two biggest trees. Vines of beads and colorful feathers hung from the platform, and a pathway spiraled down the tree trunks on either end. 
Neither of the trees held a nest, so Pockets thought it strange that the walkway existed at all. His attention turned to the area beyond the trees up ahead. The land seemed to drop off, and a wide bridge, also adorned in beads and feathers, stretched across to a distant cliff on the other side. At the start of the passage was a big twig nest full of treasure. The turtle shell skid to a stop, and the crabbies glanced around nervously and grumbled quietly amongst themselves. Petey, Pockets whispered, grab a handful of treasure. We'll drop it off there. Gold coins? No, just throw one of the pearl necklaces in. That should be enough. But I love the pearl necklace. It looks lovely around my bill. Fine, just get a couple rubies then. The red ones or the clear ones? The red ones. The clear ones are diamonds, you... Are you too serious? Cockleen whispered. Just grab some treasure and throw it in. Huh? A voice groaned from above. Gah, travelers at this hour, how inconsiderate. A giant chicken face wearing a sleep eye mask poked out of the biggest feather nest. Pockets, Petey, and Cogleen froze. The crabby's tiny legs trembled. The huge chicken lifted the sleep mask off its eyes and looked out at them. Trying to sneak on by, eh? No, we were just leaving our tribute to the great Bok Bok and passing through, Cogleen said, her voice shaking. Without having a word with the Bok himself? Don't be ridiculous. There was a clamoring sound in the giant nest, and seconds later, the enormous chicken emerged, wearing a long gown of colorful feathers. He clucked as he fluttered down next to them. Boom! His talons dug into the ground. Stunned pockets gazed up at the enormous chicken. His feathers were salt and peppered, like the feather they'd found back on the path. His flashy gown was dragging behind him. His head kept jerking side to side as he considered them. Behind him, chickens of all shapes and sizes were fluttering out of their egg-shaped nests to have a look. Would you look at that? The giant chicken's jerking head scanned pockets up and down. It's been a long time since I've seen such a marvelous piece of work such as this. Tell me, did you do the pockets yourself? Pockets was so caught off guard that he fumbled for his words. I... this... Uh, no, I've had this pajama for as long as I can remember. Bok Bok's bulging eyes got within inches of the pockets, examining every detail. Felt? Polyester? No cotton? Yes, pure cotton. Hmm. The stitching is impressive. Although the stains are quite off-putting. Have you ever heard of a wash boy? A shame to soil such a beautiful outfit. Pockets looked around at all of the chickens and it clicked. They were all wearing ridiculous feathered outfits. Did you design their clothes? Design? Bok-Bok clucked hardly. If by design you mean miraculously summoning into existence with my genius, then yes, I designed them. Now, if I may, hmm? 
I haven't seen an outfit with so many pockets since the last humans from Beyondra stumbled upon our camp. There was a long pause as Pockets tried to make sense of the chicken's words. I'm sorry, humans from Beyondra? Pockets said, stunned. You've met other people who wore yellow clothes with colorful pockets? <laughs> Good, you're catching up. <laughs> That's right. A young man and woman once passed through here, wearing an outfit just like yours. They were from a place we call Beyondra, the land just north of the kingdom. Surely you know of it? He noted Pocket's bewildered expression and clucked with amusement. <laughs> Interesting indeed. Pockets didn't know what to say. He thought he was the only one who had pocketed pajamas. What could that possibly mean? Coglin interrupted his train of thought. Bok-Bok is the chief designer of the Yondren royal wardrobe, Coglin whispered, loud enough for the chicken to hear and turn his beak up proudly. All of Yondren's upper class wear Bok-Bok. It is a sign of wealth and power. If he's so wealthy, what does he charge people treasure to cross the bridge? Pocket said loudly. Bok-Bok looked at him aghast. Because, foolish boy, the bridge is an investment. It is my side hustle of sorts. I design wearable works of art by day and charge tolls to cross my bridge by night. <laughs> we came to cross the bridge, great Bok-Bok, Coglin said, trying her best to infuse respect into her words. We are ready to pay. Petey, the treasure? Petey turned to grab some treasure from the shell, but Bok-Bok stopped him. Hold it right where you are, drab little creature. He reached out his big feathered wing and grabbed the egg out from under Petey's arms. No, Petey cried. Give that back, Pocket snarled. No, no, Bok-Bok said, passing the egg back to his chicken assistant. It will be a simple exchange, really. That egg and your magnificent outfit... For a ticket to pass. A smashing deal, if I may say. Bok Bok can't let such rare items slip away. I just have to have them in my collection. The chicken assistant dropped Petey's egg into a big nest full of peculiar eggs. Bok Bok jerked his head side to side impatiently. Come on, then. Hand over the PJs. Pockets glared at him. Not going to happen. Coglin leaned over. Pockets, can't we just... No, nobody touches my pockets. Coglin turned to Bok Bok. Is there any other way? She pleaded. We have a wide variety of treasure... I think I even saw some sapphire slippers. Those are right up your alley. Bok-Bok's head jerked around some more. Hmm. There is one other way, I suppose. Defeat me in a Bok-Off, and I'll let you keep the outfit. And the egg, Pockets added. Bok-Bok groaned. Oh, and the egg... 
If the bark wins, I get the egg, the pajamas, and your treasure. Fine, Pockets agreed. What's a bark off? Big bad bark bark and his poultry pals clucked heartily. Minutes later, Pockets found himself standing atop the bridge to nowhere, high above the clearing, wearing one of Bok Bok's feathered gowns. The chickens crowded around and clucked excitedly down below. Coglean, Petey, and the Krabbies were cheering him on. Bok Bok stood waiting at the far end of the bridge, wearing a mischievous grin. It was a contest of who wore it better. Begin! The giant chicken announced. Pockets felt ridiculous. What was the point of all this? He didn't know anything about modeling clothes. Shaking his head, he walked awkwardly across the bridge and almost tripped over the long feathered gown. Bok Bok laughed and the chickens below booed. It was Bok Bok's turn. With a ruffle of his feathers, he pranced out onto the catwalk, did a little twirl, and strutted his way over to the other side. The chickens below burst into applause, and the little chicken assistant marked a point for Bok Bok on a chalkboard. Oh, come on, this is ridiculous, Pocket said. Oh, give up? Bok Bok asked. Good. I think I'll stretch into those PJs and fill its pockets with your treasure. <laughs> pockets clenched his fists and glared at him. You got this, Pockets! Coglean shouted. Strut your stuff, P! Petey called. Pockets let out a long, frustrated breath. He looked out over the suspended bridge and remembered the fishing pier back on Split Rock. He remembered a time when he and Otis were goofing off together. It started with them having a sword fight with their fishing poles and soon turned into them taking turns walking out onto the pier and doing their silliest dance moves. Otis played his harmonica while Pockets did a chicken dance. They laughed so hard that Otis had lost his footing and fallen back into the water. The memory made Pockets smile, which seemed to unsettle Bok Bok. Step aside, clucker! Pockets threw on the next feathered coat and made his way onto the walkway. Flapping his arms like a chicken, he skipped backwards all the way across the bridge. There were surprised claps and cheers from the chickens below. Bok Bok scowled and did a side shimmy across the catwalk. After a moment's hesitation, the chicken assistant marked a point for Pockets. All right, Coglean cheered. Ada boy, Petey called. Bok Bok and Pockets went back and forth across the bridge, taking turns wearing the same coats, robes, and gowns. Pockets did cartwheels. Bok Bok did somersaults. Pockets walked across on his hands, and Bok Bok hopped on one foot. It wasn't long before Pockets' moves were clearly more impressive than the giant chickens. The chalkboard was showing a tie. Bok Bok put on the final feathered top hat, and then ran out, did a front flip, launching the hat into the air, and then caught it on his head as he finished the flip. The chickens erupted into applause below. Coglean and Petey cringed. 
see you top that pajama boy. Bok-Bok laughed, holding up his wings to more applause. Pockets looked down over his pocketed pajama and thought. Then he reached into one of the pockets, grabbed a piece of bubble gum, chewed it up, and stuck it to the hat before pressing it onto his head. Bok-Bok's head cocked back in disgust. Pockets walked out onto the bridge and slowly let himself fall off the edge. Everyone gasped. Pockets caught himself on one of the feathered bead vines and dangled upside down, his hat staying firmly on his head. The chickens watched in amazement as the boy swung upside down from one bead vine to the next, with his hat seeming to defy gravity. When he reached the other end of the catwalk, he climbed back up and took a bow. The chickens lost their clucking minds. Swallowing hard, the assistant made one last mark next to Pocket's name. Pockets threw his arms up. Yes! Coglin and Petey hugged each other. The Craddies clicked their claws in celebration. Bok Bok stared in disbelief. Caught up in the moment, Pockets flapped his hands and clucked like a chicken. Not bad, eh? The cheers slowly died off. Coglin's eyes widened. No, she whispered. Bok-Bok puffed out his chest. His feathers shook with anger. They turned in waves and sent invisible lines streaking across his body. Did you cluck at me? Bok-Bok growled. Pockets put his hands down. I did. How did I do? The chicken marched towards him. No one clocks at big, bad, buck, 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 clucked the chickens below. Petey, get the egg, Pocket shouted. Petey ran for the nest full of eggs and started digging through them. The chickens pounced on Coglin. Bok Bok lunged for Pockets, but Pockets ripped the hat off his head and slammed it over the chicken's face. He turned and jumped off the bridge, grabbing hold of a bead vine and swung through the chickens, kicking several of them off of Coglin. Coglin jumped to her feet and wound up her gears. The cogs turned and Coglin's entire torso spun on her hips, making her outstretched arms whack away the chickens. Pockets jumped off the vine and pulled a clothespin out of a pocket. Every time a chicken lunged at him, he held out the sharp pin and poked the chicken. Poink! Yow! Buck! Poink! Yow! Above him, Bok Bok struggled to get the hat off his face. The gum was stuck to his beak. Finally, with one last tug, it was yanked free. Clucking and looking around furiously, he finally spotted Pockets and fluttered down to him. Pockets whirled around to meet him, but the giant chicken turned his feathers and disappeared. Pockets felt a hard punch to his belly. Boink! He took a peck to the forehead. Scratch! There was an invisible scratch across his back. Ah! Show yourself, you coward! Pockets yelled. Every few seconds he'd catch a fleeting glimpse of the chicken's eyes or beak, but Bok Bok was hiding his face behind an invisible wing. Pockets panicked. How was he supposed to fight something he couldn't see? He got an idea. He pulled some tape from a pocket, unwound a strand, and waved it through the air until it stuck to something. Clack! The tape stuck to something midair, and Pockets pounced in that direction. 
He found himself tackling the invisible chicken, whose feathers immediately flipped back to their original color. Pockets jumped to his feet and pulled back on the tape, ripping a long streak of feathers off the bird, revealing its pink belly. Petey! Pockets yelled. Did you find it? Petey was fumbling through multiple large eggs that looked very similar. He narrowed it down to two. He held one in either hand and gave them each a sniff. Um, um... Petey! Pockets shouted. Coming! Petey tossed one of the eggs back into the nest and ran back for the shell. Pockets and Coglean booked it back to the shell as well. Oh dear, stop them! Bok Bok yelled, clutching his bare belly. Come on, Krabbies! Pockets shouted. He grabbed the reins and gave them a flick. Over the bridge we go! The Krabbies snapped to attention and started scurrying towards the bridge. They glanced back at the pursuing chickens and moaned in despair. Faster! Coglin cried. Pockets threw the strand of tape with feathers into the shell and looked back at Bok Bok. The enormous chicken was fuming. He dug his talon feet into the dirt and charged, knocking smaller chickens out of the way with every pounding, scratching footstep. Petey kicked an attacking chicken away with his webbed foot. Oi! I'm a duck-billed platypus! We're practically related! Pockets looked straight ahead. They were almost to the bridge. Would it hold the shell and an army of chickens? Just as they reached the bridge, a horn sounded in the distance. Bok Bok slowed his charge. Pockets, Petey, and Coglin looked at each other and then back over the shell. The horn blew again. Stop! The huge chicken clucked. His feathered minions stopped and tilted their heads back at him. Big bad Bok Bok's eyes stared wildly. It's Tuga! You wretched boy! You brought him to us! He turned to the rest of the chickens. Quick, hide the eggs! Get in your nests! Bok Bok turned his feathers invisible, but the line of pink belly was still exposed. Up ahead, the crabbies reached the bridge and started dragging the shell across it. Clunk, 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 clunk. Below them, an impossibly deep canyon stretched down to a thin line of water. Bok Bok waved a winged fist at the fleeing shell. You haven't seen the last of me, Beyondrin! Pockets flapped his elbows and crowed. Petey and Coglin joined in. Bok Bok Baga! Bok Bok Baga! The three of them laughed as the shell passed over the bridge and made its way towards the caves. Rocketeers, I hope you like that episode of Pockets. 
When I first started writing it, I was like, you know what? This is kind of crazy. A giant chicken with some invisible feathers on one side. But I got going and I kind of started digging it. Pockets is fun. It's kind of like a purple rocket version of Wizard of Oz. It's kind of this crazy uh, adventure through Yandra. Anyway, I'm having a blast. Let me know what you think. Go ahead and uh, shoot me an email, purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com. Leave your reviews. Rocketeers, it really helps when you leave those reviews. And it helps more than anything to tell a friend or family about the podcast. I've heard from many of you who've said that you've done that. Thank you so much. That's the biggest compliment I can get, seriously. I want to share a little bit of that feedback. We had a review from Jay Blount on Apple Reviews, and it said, Four boys go silent when PRP turns on. We are a family of six, two adults, and four boys. We all love PRP. Four boys. That is so cool. That's awesome. The first one we listened to was Camp Dino, and we were hooked. If things got too crazy and I started to get overwhelmed with chaos, I'd buckle them in their car seats and turned on PRP, and it was complete silence, even for the baby who hates car seats. Oh, my word. I can totally relate to that, Eloise. Our five-month-old is not the biggest fan of car seats. Sometimes she does really well, but sometimes she goes berserk. She goes on to say, I have even found myself being hooked on stories and listening to them when they aren't around. My husband missed a few because he was at work, and at the end of Camp Dino, my oldest filled him in, and even he was heart-wrenched. Oh, cool. We recommend the Purple Rocket Podcast to anyone that loves listening to great stories in the car at home. I also appreciate the words of wisdom that get thrown into the stories about kindness, bowling, meaning of Christmas, so on. It's so hard to find good, clean entertainment, and this has been just that. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. What an incredible review. Love the feedback, and I'm glad the boys are digging it. It's funny, I've said this before, I was one of those boys, I got really into reading, I had a fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Biggs, and she got me into reading, and like with Summer of the Monkeys, I think was one of the books we did, Where the Red Fern Grows, I can't remember if we did Hatchet that year, anyway, she introduced us to a lot of great books, and ones that boys could appreciate too, and I was bummed because I eventually lost that love of reading, kind of around junior high, and so... Hopefully this can like, you know, keep some spark in all you guys out there, boys, girls, um, whatever, you know, whoever's going through, you know, those early years and you're trying to develop a habit of reading and trying to fuel a passion if you already have it, or maybe you're struggling and maybe you don't love reading. Maybe this can be a segue. I know listening to these audio stories is a great way to help with your literacy. I've said that before, but it is also great kind of gateway to getting into reading. Um, And on a shameless plug to Patreon, if you go on Patreon, you can download the ad-free MP3 files if you want to download it to your device. And each episode, I release a PDF read-along. You could pull it up on your phone or tablet or whatever and just kind of read along or scan through while you're listening. It's all formatted in book form. If you were to read through on the PDF, it's all totally formatted. And that is proven to help too. Anyway, great, great feedback. Thank you so much. This other one was from Ocean Girl 100. It said, waiting. I've been waiting like three weeks for a new story. Can you please fix the problem if there is one? P.S. I love the adventure in Pocket with Pockets. Please make a new one. Awesome. Yeah. I hope, Ocean Girl, you enjoyed that episode of Pocket. So it wasn't quite three weeks. There was that delay because the last episode was the Candy Gobbler Halloween episode. And I, when I teamed up with the Novel Effect team, they needed time to like, they made this original composition. I mean, there's like original music, sound effects, everything. So they needed time 
to put that together and I had an illustrator do a bunch of drawings. So I apologize for the delay. I know it was released like three, four days late. Um, but hopefully, Rocketeers, if you haven't heard that story, go listen to it and download that Novel Effect app to read along yourself and it'll like synchronize automatically to your voice and play the music and sound effects. It was just a really fun project and I thought it'd be fun to have an interactive adventure to switch things up a little bit. I want to give a big thank you shout out to some of our patrons, Sarah, Lucas, Liliana, Jace, Elspeth. Thank you so much for your support. And you guys, your YouTube channel, 1806 Stonehouse, so cool. They're renovating a 200-year-old home as a family. I love that the kids are involved. The house looks awesome. And it was a great reminder of how not handy I am, how pathetic I am with tools. (laughs) Anyway, Sarah Lucas, Liliana, Jace, Elspeth, you're amazing. Uh, 1806 Stonehouse on YouTube, really cool, you guys. I also want to thank Benji and his little brother, Charlie, and little sister, Lacey. Benji, happy birthday, dude. I know I already wished you a happy birthday earlier, but happy birthday again. I know you love winglings. And hopefully this one kind of, you're enjoying this one too. It's got a, it's not totally winglings, but there's like the magical kind of crazy world vibe going on there. And I understand Benji likes soccer. My son, Cohen, who's also in kindergarten, uh, homeschooled kindergarten, He's loving kindergarten too, by the way. And he's in soccer just like you, dude. And he's loving it. It's awesome. Cohen, you guys would probably be buddies. It's funny. Some of the parents, when you go to these soccer games, even if we have like kind of young kids, some of these parents, and maybe some of you parents out there are like this, but man, people get really intense. Like they're banking on their five-year-olds going pro or something. I don't know what's going on with their training, but... My wife, uh, she's coaching Aurora's team. Aurora's my oldest, the eight-year-old. And she's the one who did the voice on uh, the Bye Bye Bad Glove. Anyway, so Sarah, my wife, is coaching the team. And there are a couple parents that are going bananas. Um, A little overboard, if you ask me. But uh, (laughs) it reminded me of this time when I, I played basketball growing up. And I remember I played some in high school. And there was this game. I was... I played center, so I wasn't very big. I'm six one now. I was maybe a little shorter. I played center, so I was supposed to be the big guy on our team. And we played this team that had an, a real big guy, and the guy was just manhandling me. We like, you know, every time the ball would come off the rim, he he would just jump over me and rebound everything. I was just like, so I'm I was getting furious. I'm like, I can't. This guy is throwing me around like a rag doll. I can't do anything against this guy. And I was so mad. And my dad was getting really into the game, and and it, my parents have always were always super supportive. And I remember this is so funny. Oh, my dad, I needed, I had to share the story. My dad at one point finally is like, Greg, get the rebound and shouted it out. And I looked at him like, be quiet. Like, like, I'm not telling you to disrespect your parents, but it was just a funny moment because like I looked at him in the middle of the game as I'm running down. And I'm just like sweating profusely. And my dad's shouting like, come on, get the rebound. I'm like, be quiet. I'm trying. And my dad just slowly claps like, oh, okay. okay. Go after it. Keep going. You know? <laughs> it was just so funny. Me and my dad have an awesome relationship. We always have. But it was just funny. My dad wasn't like one of those crazy parents that like thought I was going to go pro and was like screaming at me. It was just funny. I could tell like he was frustrated and I was just as frustrated. We just like in the middle of the game looked at each other. I'm like, I'm doing my best. I can't do it anymore. And uh, I don't think he ever shouted for me to get a rebound again <laughs> after that. Anyway, just a classic memory. Love basketball. Little tidbit about me. Still love basketball. 
Rocketeers, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com, become a patron. You can get some ad-free episodes, some bonus stories. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks, patrons. A big thank you to Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for his awesome audio editing. And a big thank you to my mom, Roxanne Webb, as always, for her help with editing the story. So thank you to everybody. Be sure to tune in next time for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.